0: Thank you for tuning in to Trinity Baptist Temple's podcast. I'm Pastor Kyle Densmore, and I pray today's sermon is a blessing to you as you continue to seek the Lord and follow His will for your life. If you have any questions, please feel free to contact us. God bless you. I just want to say I was so excited to see uh, the things that God did over our resurrection celebration month. We had uh, close to 10 people saved, almost 10 people baptized, and the uh, Lord's working in great ways in Trinity Baptist Temple. And I shared this last night, but it's so true. Uh, you've heard me say this. You've been in church for any amount of time. Anytime God is working in great ways, know that the enemy of God is working hard. Um, and, you know, some of you were experiencing that before we entered into that month. Some of you experienced the, some attacks during the month and maybe right after. Uh, but the enemy's not going to stop. As long as the church of God is healthy and doing the work of God and seeing people saved and baptized and added to the church and uh, people's lives getting right, Satan's going to try to stop that, squelch that as quick as he can. Um, So I want to encourage you, take heart. Don't give up. And again, we're going to talk about that a little bit this morning. But uh, before we move into that, I want to remind you, last week we uh, were talking about a very important topic. Uh, It can be a sensitive topic if uh, the relationship with that is wrong, and it was about finances. Uh, It's important in that Jesus gave only two options uh, of our servanthood on this earth. Um, And one was him, the other was mammon, or money, uh, or things, if you will. And so he made it very clear. He said these words. This comes from Jesus Christ, God Almighty. He says, no man can serve two masters. Either he will hate the one and love the other, or cling to the one and despise the other. He says, you cannot serve God and mammon. And again, we live in a society, live in our culture today that's driven by things, that's driven by stuff, that's driven by um, our jobs and our economy and all those things. Matter of fact, I shared that around election time. There was more people worried about what the economy was gonna do under the next president, which is pretty common uh, in in our world, but it's getting worse and worse. There was more people concerned about the economy than there were about moral issues Um, you know abortion and and, uh, marriage and and all those kind of things and so uh, it's just very indicative of what the what our culture is like our culture is fixated on money and stuff and so as Christians we've got to be mindful every single day that there's going to be a battle a tug of war in our lives with the stuff of this world and the things of God the eternal things of God Uh, with all that we also know that the things on this earth uh, that we have to deal with like buying groceries paying rent buying gas I mean that kind of stuff is is part of our lives Um, and all of that can be included in us accomplishing God's will uh, his eternal plan and reaching the lost and so uh, there's a perspective there there's a right context that in a right relationship we are to have with finances but two points that we saw last week were this first of all We should not be controlled by material things. And I think that's something that we have to evaluate every single day. Uh, There's nothing wrong with with having things. Everybody drove here, not everybody, but most people drove here probably or rode here in a vehicle. That's a thing. That's a possession. There's nothing wrong with having a possession. Um, You're all wearing clothes. Praise God. (laughs) Uh, We're all wearing clothes. That's a possession. Those things are good. Uh, so the, the, it's okay to have um, the things of this world, but again, the right relationship with those things are very important, not to be controlled. And the second point was this, we should be seeking God's eternal kingdom. So every single day of our life, it, as a child of God, we should get up and the mindset should be, okay, God, here I am. Let's do this. You know, let's, let's do this. I'm, I'm, a, I'm to be about your business every single day. Now we understand there are things that we have in, in this world that are benefits and blessings that go along with it. Matter of fact, some of you have probably been planning it all year long. I know we've been planning it, and it's those things we call vacations. Amen. Praise God. (laughs) And so that's that time for us to kind of disengage. But you know what? Even on vacation, we can be the children of God. We are to be the children of God. We're to be looking for opportunities everywhere we go to shine the light. There was never a break given in that command, let your light so shine before men. Unless you're on vacation. He doesn't say that. He doesn't say unless you, you know, whatever. There's, uh, there's never a break in that. So again, all of our life is to be lived in context of this. We should be seeking God's eternal kingdom. A devotion I came across um, a couple weeks ago, and I was going to try to share it last week. We ran out of time. We went long anyways. But um, I want to share it today because it's so important. Very good. It says this, Despite the repeated emphasis in Scripture on making God the priority of life, we struggle with the temptation to love other things more. Though this failing is widespread in our day and sometimes even celebrated, it's hardly new. Hundreds of years ago, a Puritan preacher, Richard Baxter, wrote this. It's a most lamentable thing to see how most people spend their time and their energy for trifles while God is cast aside. And I would even further say, because you can't disassociate God and the things of God, because God and his things all go together. So again, it's, it's, it's a sad, lamentable thing, he says. But listen as it goes further. The most accurate assessment of what we really love is the things to which we devote our time and resources. I'm going to say that again and just let that hit home. The most accurate assessment, so if you want to do an evaluation of your life, where's my life, where's my heart, where's my devotion really lie, he says the most accurate assessment of what we really love is the things to which we devote our time and resources. Now that's a difficult thing again in a society that is driven by commerce and many of us today have jobs that require a certain amount of hours and time and effort. Things to get tasks done, to get to get certain goals met, or whatever the case may be. Uh, but we've got to be careful in that. We can, we, we've got to be careful not to be so devoted to the, that effort that the things of God get cast aside. And again, I'm afraid in, even in the Christian church, that's what happened. Our, our drive to be successful, our drive to provide, our drive to, 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 to be the best we can be at our job, again, it's good to be ambitious, but our drive for those things sometimes supersedes and even trumps who we're supposed to be and what we're supposed to be doing for the kingdom of God. And that's got to be a very careful, I think, assessment that we do in our life. He goes on to say, while many people say they love God and that he's first and he he is in first place in their life, their lives do not reflect that. In any uh, contest between what we say and what we do, actions are the most reliable indicator of true motives and purpose. The fact that many are focused on earthly treasure to the exclusion of heavenly treasure reveals a heart issue that must be addressed and so again last week is very uh, very challenging I, I hope that we take a real serious look at where our heart lies in this world and that our hearts not driven by material things our hearts not pulled away by the jobs and the and the, the responsibilities we have for this world only and that as the children of god we really see our lives as, uh, on, a, on a journey here, um, you know, uh, when, whenever you do go on vacation, whenever you do take a trip, um, there's a lot, and we're going to get into this this morning a little bit too, uh, but there's things that you do to go on that trip, right? What do you do? You pack, you get ready, you prepare, you plan, you have a you know checklist or whatever the case may be, but there's also things that you do at home. While, you know, I know for us, that's, you know, Rochelle, we, she likes to have the house clean before we leave <laughs> because I don't want to come home to a dirty house. And I'm I agree with that, you know, I I, I like that. Uh, But we are trying to get stuff ready and together before we leave with other stuff together and ready. Um, And again, that's a little bit what we're going to be talking about this morning. And I love how, again, of course, this is going verse by verse in Scripture. Jesus just got done talking about finances, just got done talking about having a right relationship uh, with them. And so we move forward to this grave importance of being ready and making ourselves ready uh, for what's to come. And it's amazing that the, the scripture falls the way it does, uh, because, again, we, we see things in the news this week, you know, North Korea and China and Turkey's doing, th- I mean, all kinds of stuff. We, if, you, if you're associated with biblical prophecy and the things of end times, there's a lot, a lot of stuff going on uh, that is real important. Um, and again, I'm not saying that something, you know, boom, it's going to happen, but it brings to surface the need of Christians to be ever ready. And so, again, I'm excited we're going to get into this. So let's pray, and we'll look at this. Father, thank you so much for allowing us to be here again. Thank you for your word. Thank you for uh, the blessings of the worship music that we've been able to offer up to you, the opportunity uh, to practice, again, having a right relationship with finances through our, our offerings and our tithes. Um, Lord, I, I praise you for the, the, the blessing of being able to do that ourselves and uh, the, the many people that do that in this church. And, um, God, we, we do pray that you're glorified through Uh, both the singing and the giving and the prayer time. Lord, the the offering of ourselves up to you even now uh, before your word and at the mercy of your spirit. And so God, we ask that you would move and that you would speak and every single one of us uh, in every seat and and myself included, uh, you would speak to our hearts and God, we would would be challenged, we'd be convicted, we'd be encouraged, we'd be edified, whatever's needed in our life, wherever we stand with you in our relationship, I just pray that you would accomplish that as we uh, yield ourselves to you now. Lord, if there is someone here that's lost, that's in darkness, they've never entered into a relationship with you, a personal relationship with you through faith, maybe they've never fully realized what you've done to show your love, to pay the price for their sin, I pray this morning that they would realize that, they would accept that, and they would trust you, and they'd walk out of here a different person. And Lord, just have your way now, and we'll praise you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. So if you got your Bibles in Luke chapter 12, we're going to pick up in verse 35. And remember... Jesus was just teaching on the importance of being focused on his eternal kingdom first and above all. The importance of investing ourselves in God's eternal kingdom um, and living for it versus living for temporal pursuits, having that eternal mindset. And so now he turns to this readiness that his disciples are to constantly live in. In verse 35, he says this, "'Let your loins be girt about and your lights burning.'" And ye yourselves, like unto men, that wait for their Lord when he will return from the wedding, that when he cometh and knocketh, that uh, they may open unto him immediately. Now again, there's a lot of discussion today about end times. Uh, you, can, you can pull up all kinds of um, end time prophecies. You can read, listen to them on, on YouTube, and please don't do that. No, but don't go home and, and, and YouTube or Google YouTube whatever, search YouTube, um, end time prophecies and stuff like that, but you can get messed up in a bad way, and we'll talk about it in a second. Um, but a lot of Christians today are involved in the discussion of end times. They, they love it. I love it. I think it's a good thing. But there are some Christians that get nervous when you start talking about end times. You start talking about the end of days, start talking about the rapture or the, the tribulation or, or the second coming, there's some Christians that get nervous. And I think that there's a couple reasons why that Christians might get nervous when you talk about end times. First of all, uh, they don't know the promises that that are contained within the end times, uh, i.e. maybe they're new believers or not discipled believers. And so when you talk about the end and and the the imminent return of Jesus Christ, uh, new believers often are like, oh no. You know, and even uh, young young believers like uh, kids and teenagers, uh, because of that lack of knowledge or understanding, uh, sometimes they have this thought: "Oh no, the end of time!" Uh, but I haven't got married. I haven't done, you know, had my career. I haven't had kids, or whatever the case may be. And so there's this uh, nervousness, this apprehension, or whatever the case it may be, with that. Uh, but the second group is this: they get nervous. They're afraid of of talking of times because they're not in right fellowship with God. And uh, you may have had conversations. Maybe you're there this morning. Maybe you you felt like that before, and you thought. I'm not ready for God to come back right now because my heart's not right with him. My heart's not right with so-and-so. My heart's not right with this. My heart's not. And so I'm not ready for God to come back uh, right this second. I'm I'm not ready because I'm not right. And then there's a third uh, group that I mentioned a while ago uh, that get nervous, that that are a little apprehensive when you talk about uh, end times, and it's that group that have been taught wrong. And so with this negative aspect of false teaching uh, in end times it creates a huge monster, a really ugly monster uh, that I believe we see today. And and what it has produced is many skewed perspectives and teachings about the end times. And the reason why this has happened, I believe, uh, because a lot of people like to benefit at the expense of other people. So there have been people, I believe they're false prophets, have gained because uh, that's what their desire is, is to gain at people's expense. But there's also... I think, something inside of us, which is good. But we have a desire to nail down 100% what we believe um, and even concerning the end times. And so we feel like, you know what, I've got to have the 100% right path to all the answers of the end times. Yet, when we see Jesus, God in the flesh, discuss it with his followers there before them, his plan, his instructions to them revolve around one thing, not, not all the answers, because remember, that's what, at one point in time, we didn't get there, uh, we're not going to turn there this morning, In Matthew chapter 24, that's what they ask him, hey, well, what's it going to be like before the end? And he begins to kind of lay it all out, but he doesn't give even every single answer to how everything's going to be, it all revolves around one primary thing. When Jesus is discussing these things with his disciples, when we receive instructions on this, everything about the end times revolve around this, and it's point number one in your notes. Our lives are to be lived in perpetual preparedness. Our lives are to be lived in perpetual preparedness. So regardless of whether we have the answer for A, B, or C about the end of days, whether we have the order of C, B, or A, or whatever the case may be, we have to understand Jesus told his disciples You need to be perpetually prepared, always. That word perpetual means constantly, never stopping, always always in that state. So again, in our text, Jesus is with them, standing there with them, God in the flesh. And he clearly doesn't give them an indication of anything to come other than they are to live in a state of readiness for his return. Again, mankind's desire for the unknown, the desire to have a mystery solved. Think about this. We, we went with a, with a group uh, not too long ago, and uh, we went into this room, um, and they give you these clues, and I can't remember what that's called. What's that called? The escape room, yeah. Um, and so you go in this room, and they lock you in there, and this guy keeps opening the window. Um, you you kind of sometimes want to poke. No, I'm just joking. Um, <laughs> But he's, like trying to, he, he's trying to help you, he's not helping you, and, and you got all these clues, and, and you're all trying to work together, um, and the whole point is to solve this mystery, to get all the answers, to be able to get out of the room uh, to escape. And so it's, it's it was fun, it was a really good time. But there was something in all of us, I mean, even at the point sometimes where you get to feel like, I think we've exhausted all our options, we still like go back to, we've got to solve this mystery, we can't give up, we've got to, we've got to keep going. And again, that's part of mankind's nature. We, we want to, to solve the mystery. Uh, that's why there's so many shows that are successful in that regard. Uh, that's why in the movie, when you're watching that movie and you're sitting there and it's coming to the very, the, the point of it all, you're just hanging on the edge of your seat and you can't wait to see what, how it turns out, you know. Uh, we, we, are, we are geared like that. We have this thing that's in us as well, uh, this, this drive to indulge in curiosity, Uh, That can get us in a lot of problems uh, regarding our flesh and sin, but it also can get us messed up spiritually as well. And so with all this, it, it leads mankind to very presumptuous positions or stances concerning things maybe the Bible doesn't say particularly. Because of these presumptuous positions, there are countless Christians today, and maybe some in here, but countless Christians today have lost the importance of living in constant readiness and perpetual preparedness. You know, you have people who are arguing, well, I think it's this, or I think it's this, or I believe this, or I believe that, and and, and this person says this, and this person says that. And so there are some, some Christians today that just disengage from it altogether. The mindset, the discussion, and of course, the preparedness that we're supposed to live in. And I would even go and say further, I think most people, and this is a sad statement, most people have more thoughts and plans for retirement? More people, more people have more thoughts or plans for the grave. And even further, most people have more thoughts and plans for heaven. He said, so, Wait, whoa, whoa. Aren't we supposed to do that? Aren't we supposed to make plans for heaven? No. I'm talking about being there. I'm talking about what what sometimes the conversation goes sometimes? Um, sometimes it goes the other way But a lot of times we say this I just can't wait to be in heaven Where I'm rid of this Or I'm dealing with this But there are sometimes the conversation that happens Where we say I can't wait for the Lord To come back I can't wait for the Lord to return But again if we look around And we're going to be honest There's a lot of people that have more thoughts And more plans More, 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 more things are given to What I'm going to do when I retire how I'm going to be set up, how I'm going to be taken care of. Um, more people have more thoughts about that grave, even where you're literally going to be buried. You know, and I'm not, saying, I'm not saying preparing for retirement. I'm saying having a, a burial plot and a package together is wrong. I'm not saying any of those things. I'm just saying more people have more thoughts about those things and even more thoughts about heaven than the return of our Lord to come to get us. The first church after the resurrection not only thought more about it, they lived as though they expected his return. Matter of fact, the apostle Paul was trying to encourage the, uh, the Thessalonian believers because they had thought that the day of the Lord had already come, and he was telling them, listen, don't chill out, don't, don't, don't get all worked up, don't be ignorant, there's, not a, there's no reason to get all worked up, as, as, as thinking that the day of the Lord has already happened. Paul expected, because further in in chapter 4 he goes on and he says this, we which are alive and remain. He was fully expecting the Lord to return as was all of the apostles. All the apostles did that and they lived that way and expected his return even if it cost their life. We don't hear anything, Paul writing anything about what he was planning to do after he served the Lord, where he was going to be buried. We don't have anything that, uh, there's a couple of times that Paul talks about heaven. And at one point in time, 1 Corinthians chapter 2 or 3, uh, I think it's 2, he, he says this. He says, I has not seen or ear heard the things which God has prepared for them that love him. There's things that God's doing in in heaven. There's things that he's preparing. There's things in the the new heaven, new earth that's going to be. But Paul constantly was talking and urging believers, be prepared, be ready, be watching, be be living. Jesus is telling his his disciples the same thing. And again, um, Alexander McLaren said this, the apostolic church thought more about the second coming of Jesus Christ than about death and heaven. The early Christians were looking not for a cleft in the ground called a grave, before a cleavage in the sky called glory. That's they were they were looking for that sky to, to, to part. They were looking for for the Lord to come and all of His Majesty His glory in the sky. And so, uh, it's so important for us to take this lesson that He was teaching His disciples and apply it in our lives. We're to live in perpetual preparedness. And what what does this mean even further? How can we apply this in our life? Well. Uh, to kind of give you an example of what I believe Jesus was saying in this, uh, when I was in track in uh, middle school, reluctantly in track, um, I, I hate running. I hate, I hate running. I hated running and then. a uh, matter of fact, I got off to a bad start whenever I was um, in track. This is what it was. The, 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 the athletic director, uh, when I first got into junior high, he had a requirement that if you played football, you had to run track. It's good. Looking back now, I'm thinking, yeah, that's a good idea. Back then, I thought, oh, this stinks. You know, I I hate running, you know? And so my thought was, all right, what am I going to do? What's going to be engaging for me? How can I enjoy track? So I thought, okay, activity, I don't want to just run around the track. Long distance, out. Sprints, there's guys that are faster than me. It's not going to work out anyways. Um, So I was thinking, I'll do hurdles. I can jump. I'll, I'll I'll do hurdles. We get out, so here's what it is. This is kind of the, the way it goes. The junior high guys, the, the you know, pecking order, the 8th the graders, they got on the track. The 7th graders, you guys get the football field. <laughs> and so they put hurdles up on the football field. And I know that you sometimes train like that. Uh, but we have no cleats, we have no track shoes, we just got tennis shoes. And we're out there at 6 in the morning. And we start to run and jump over these hurdles. Well, the coach puts this hurdle out there that seems like it's about three quarters my height, <laughs> I'm going to jump over that, you know. Uh, but guys were going, we're jumping. I'm like, okay, I can jump like that. I can do that. So I go, and the very first attempt, my foot hits the, the, the uh, hurdle, the hurdle. Um, and it catches it, and, and it trips me over, and I land on the side of my foot, spraining my ankle, and chipping that little bone on the side of my foot. Praise the Lord. <laughs> I was in major pain; it was bad. I had to wear a boot, but I missed track season. <laughs> it was real. There was an X-ray and everything, but um, but I, 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 you know, I hated that. And the next year, I was thinking, oh, how can I get out of running? How can I? So I'm not looking at breaking anything else. Um, so they were like, well, what do you want to do?" I'm like, you know, I've gotten a little bit bigger. I was eighth grade. And so I said, I'll do the shot put and discus. They don't have to run a lot. First track practice. All right, everybody take laps. <laughs> I'm throwing the shot put. Why do I got to run? And so um, anyways, that was, that was a fun time in my life. But um, one thing that, I, that they teach you in track, they also did this in football. When we were running football, we'd run sprints. Um, and They'd blow the whistle, and you have to run through the line. And the same thing in track. You'd have to run through the line. Um, and that's, that's the way that they were coached. That's the way that they still coach today. Um, but here's the question is, why, why, is, why is that the, the standard of coaching for track and for football and sprints and, and baseball? You run through the bag and, and all this kind of stuff. What, why is that the, 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 the coaching method? And why is that put in place? Because here's the reason why. If you're focused on the line itself, the finish line being the end, then there's a natural tendency inside of us to pull up a little. To actually stop giving full effort before you get there. You get what I'm saying? And so they teach you to, to run like that line doesn't exist. Like you run through it. You sprint through it. Uh, because that is going to ensure that you give your full effort all the way through the finish line. All the way to the finish line. And here's where I'm afraid, and we're talking about this perpetual preparedness, the way that we're supposed to be living our lives every single day in light of God's, uh, in light of Jesus's imminent return. We are to be living our lives like that, but I'm afraid that so many of us as Christians are fixed on the finish line. And even as we get closer to that finish line, we become more fixed on it. What, what death, you know, the grave, the, uh, the, all, all those things begin beca- being fixed on that. And in this fixation and in this distraction or this lack of focus on what we're supposed to be focused on, this perpetual preparedness, what happens is, spiritually, we begin to slow up. We begin to pull up spiritually because we're getting closer. And the question I wanna ask this morning is, how about you? How are you running the race of your spiritual race? How How are you living your life today? Is it in perpetual preparedness? Are you staying in a constant state of readiness where you are giving and what that means is that you're giving your all you're not slacking or relaxing you're giving your all for the kingdom of god because perpetual preparedness doesn't mean uh that you're sitting around every day looking at the sky and saying i'm ready every day for jesus to come back (laughs) looking at the sky the sky is pretty and god's painted an amazing mural up there for us to see but that's not what being perpetually prepared means it also doesn't mean sitting on the porch the front porch in the porch swing which sounds nice uh, looking at the sky and waiting for him to return that's not what this means and that's not what Jesus was talking about it also doesn't mean that you're to just coast through the finish line because you know where you're going afterwards and that's where it is a, a disheartening thing to, to, to see that sometimes as Christians we can get to that place we can get to that place where we feel like I've done this I've done that I know this I know that and I know where I'm going and so I don't necessarily let all the younger, let all the, these people, let this person, let the, no, Where we don't see that. We are to be pressing and pushing and pressing and pushing until he breaks through that sky and that trumpet sounds and he calls us home. We are to be giving our very best. We are to be running through the line. We're not to be coasting. We're not to be jogging, even though I like jogging better than running physically. Uh, we are not supposed to be doing that spiritually. We are to be running, giving full effort all the way through the line. And so, how about you? How about you? Until, until he calls you home, until he calls your number. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 9, verse 27 it's appointed unto men once to die. When you meet that appointment, that's when you're done. After this, the judgment. Or unless he, if he comes before that and calls you home, that's when you're done. But up until that point, there's no place for me, for you, for anybody to slow up, to coast, to give half effort, or even to quit. There's no place for any Christian to do that. And so where are you in your spiritual running this morning? Are you living in a, a state of perpetual preparedness, always ready, always running, always giving for, full effort? Again, this means anticipating the Lord's return, and so you're giving your effort as though you're anticipating the Lord's return. In, in a Roman dungeon, when the apostle Paul had given everything, he, he'd given his freedom, he'd given his health, he'd given over his, his, his fame, his, his name, all those things that, that this world would say, this is so important. When he had given it all, he was still giving his all. In a Roman prison, in a dungeon cell, he's writing probably his last letter doing the will of God, still serving God. You know, somebody would say, well, you can't do anything else. You're chained to the wall. Uh, your life is over. You're about to die. You're about to, uh, to, 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 to be beheaded. All these things are about to happen. No, Paul is still serving God, riding Timothy in this prison cell. And he says these things to him in verse, uh, chapter four, verse six. He says, for now, I'm ready to be offered at the, in my, the time of my departure is at hand. Listen to what he says. I have fought the good fight i have finished my course i have kept the faith henceforth there's laid up for me a crown of righteousness which the lord the righteous judge listen what he says shall give me at that day and not only not to me only but unto all them also that love his appearing that's an amazing promise a beautiful promise You know, I urge you this morning, look, don't give up, don't pull up, don't slow up, no matter what your circumstances are, no matter how you feel, no matter what is around you. Again, the Apostle Paul had lost everything, and yet he was still running. He was still anticipating the Lord's return. He says, look, it looks like I'm about to die. The time of my departure is at hand. This is the only thing I think is ahead of me. But he was still anticipating the Lord's return. He says, you know what? I'm going to give this, this crown of righteousness. Everybody else is going to get the same thing. And love his appearing. So be perpetually prepared. When the Lord's return, make sure you're running. As if to run through the line. Make sure that you're ready, that you're faithful. Again, verse 36 back in the text Be like servants waiting for their Lord to return for a wedding, so that when he does return, the moment that he knocks, you open, you're prepared. I want to say this, let's not be naive to think, as I said at the beginning of the sermon this morning, that the enemy will be okay with us living like that. The enemy's not going to be okay with us trying to live in a perpetually prepared state. That, that, that we're trying to reach the lost and live and lead our families and, and, and run through the line, the enemy's not going to be okay with us doing that. So he's going to try to do everything he can do to get us to live the opposite way, to get us to live unprepared, to distract us, to discourage us, to ultimately defeat us in our spiritual races to where we aren't doing what the church and the church only is capable of doing. I, I love what that video, Brother Jim, uh, had this morning for the for the video this morning, and that we have been given a commission from Almighty God. The Holy Spirit of God lives inside of us, and we, as the people of God, the church, the body of Christ, can do things that no one else and nobody else in this world can do. We can literally see the world turned upside down, just like the uh, the first disciples in Acts did. Well, what's the difference? Why isn't isn't there more of of, of the world being shaken? And, And why isn't there more of things, cultures and communities being transformed? I honestly think part of it is there's many believers today that aren't living like they're trying to run through the line. They're not living in a perpetually prepared state. It's not an option to... To let the the enemy get in there and and distract. It's not an option for the enemy to get in there and discourage you. It's not an option for the enemy to get in there and defeat you and, and, and for you to want to quit or give up or coast or jog or anything like that. That's not an option for us. We've got the victory on our side, we've got the Holy Spirit inside of us, and we have been given everything we need. Everything we need. You know, just recently on Wednesday nights, we've been going through the spiritual armor. And I, and I said this when we were going through this. This is, this is what God, the resources of God given to us to, to, ha, to handle the spiritual battle in this life. God says, here it is. If you want to withstand the devil, if you want to withstand his attacks, if you want to be able to, to stand strong in the face of everything that, that, that evil brings towards you, here's what you need. That's awesome. That's awesome. Praise the Lord. He gave us everything we need to stand against the attacks of the enemy. But here's the key. They are useless resources if we don't put them on. Useless if we don't enact. If we aren't in the Word of God, guarding ourselves with truth, if we're not praying always the glue that holds it all together, if we're not remembering who we are, we're not obeying by putting on the breastplate of righteousness, if we're not doing the things that God has given us to do, we stand no chance against the enemy's attacks so he's going to try to do everything he can do to keep us from living our lives in this perpetually prepared state i want to stop there this morning i have to wrap up the, the the next point maybe next week if the lord wills but uh, i want to ask the musicians to come at this time um, and, and i want to i want to challenge you this morning evaluate where your life is evaluate the effort that you're giving toward your spiritual life toward your spiritual race Let's just be brutally honest with God this morning because he can see our hearts anyways. There's no, no need to pretend. There's no need to, uh, to, to, to sit in our seats and, and act like something's okay when it's not. God sees our hearts. Are you giving every bit of effort you can to the spiritual race that God has called us all to? Are, is that the drive in your life? Are you truly like an athlete running a race? You're giving your full effort trying to run through the line. Are you kind of seeing at some point in your life uh, uh, an, an end, and so you're starting to kind of pull back and, and coast? I've already ran 10 laps, and I'm on the 11th, the last one. Finish strong. The Apostle Paul again sits in this prison He says, I fought the fight. I finished the course. I've kept the faith. That's so key have kept the faith are you running are you being perpetually prepared what if the lord returned right now what state would he not only find his church in but each individual member are you, are you giving your all for him because when that moment happens and this is not a scare tactic that moment happens then it's too late. It's too late to go back and say, but God, I could have given you more. God, I, I, could, have, I've could, have, I could have run harder for your kingdom, but I was so, so laser focused on having money and I was so laser focused and, and, and doing these activities, I was so laser focused in my own pleasures and my own life that I missed the whole point of eternity and now that the the blinders have been taken off, the veil has been opened and I see eternity and I see eternal rewards and eternal treasure, I realize how much time I've wasted in this earth. Don't be that, let's not be that. Let's be the people of God who, this is what he says, this is what we are to do, to be perpetually prepared for his return, living that way. Just like a Lord, when he goes away to a wedding and his servants are entrusted to keep his house until he returns, let's make sure that we're being diligent and keeping it the way he's called us to keep it. This house, these temples, and this temple, the church, let's make sure that we're doing everything we can do. And if you're not this morning, this is serious stuff. It's not just another sermon. It's not just another church service, if you realize in your heart and your life right now, you're not giving God everything you can give him, something needs to change before it's eternally too late. Because it might not just involve you, it might involve your kids, your grandkids, another kid. There's too much at stake for us not to run and give full effort trying to run through the line it's too much at stake and so don't let this time pass this opportunity pass and finally if you're here and you you know in your heart there's a there's a conflict you you don't you don't know where you're going to spend eternity you you, maybe you've been coming to church maybe it's the first time you ever come to church and you're not sure about jesus you're not sure about eternity you're not sure about being prepared about his return you're not sure about any of those things if you have any question about eternity and where you're going to spend it i'm gonna i'm gonna beg you and with everything in me i'm begging you please come down here and at least ask there's gonna be a couple men here and please ask them what is all this eternity about i I can know where i can go versus not knowing where i i mean ask them i want to know where i'm going after I die or when the Lord returns. Don't chance it. We're talking about eternity. When this life is over a few years, forever is forever. So if you're not sure about it, please come and ask them. They're not going to do anything weird. There's not going to be anything strange. You're not going to be forced anything. They're simply going to show you in God's word how you can know you can, you can spend eternity with God. That's all they're going to do, and then you make the choice. All of us have to do that. And so I just be- I beg you to do that if you're not sure where you're going to spend eternity Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for this time. Thank you for this message this morning. Uh, Lord, I've already prayed this. I prayed again uh, as, as a church body, before this church body. Uh, Lord, forgive me. Help me to, to be perpetually prepared. Help, help me never to let up or to ease up or to, in my mind and my heart and my effort. God, I, I want to give you everything, all the time running the race, uh, running through the line. Lord, I I don't want you to return and and be found uh, giving half effort. Lord, I I don't want you to return and and me to be giving even three-quarters effort or 90% effort. Lord, when you gave your all, you shed your blood, you paid the price, you, you eternally took care of everything I could ever need and everything we could ever need. And so, God, help me never settle in my heart, my mind, my spirit in giving you everything that, that I have. Lord, help that be the prayer of every Christian in here. Lord, help us live always prepared. And I pray you just move now on in this invitation. We'll praise you for it in Jesus' name. Amen.